All right. Big thank you to our worship team. What a fantastic time of worship this morning. Thank you so much. All right. Good Sunday morning to you all. We are breaking the ice together into 2022. And uh, maybe literally some of you broke the ice in the last few days as you've been walking through the sidewalks of a somewhat cold New York City. Uh, We started week one talking about having a new start, and then week two we talked about having a new heart, then last week we talked about a new art, and today, you guessed it, it rhymes, a new part, a new part, a new part. All right, Ephesians 4, what am I talking about, a new part of what? Ephesians 4 verse 15 says, instead, speaking the truth in love, We will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each what? Part does its work. So today we're talking about being a new part of something greater than ourselves. Uh, from the original language that these words were written in, from the Greek, the word for body is soma. Let's say all that together, soma. Pretty simple. Uh, we get words like uh, somatic and things like that uh, from thinking about the body, soma as the body. And then the word for member or part is melos. Let's all say that. Yeah, like you're just super mellow in front of the TV, except add an S onto it. That's a member or a limb or a part of some whole or body. And just like a finger or a foot, everyone touch your finger, okay? You feel that. You feel that and you think about it with your brain. You can see it with your eyes. If you hold it next to your ears, you can hear the movement of your fingers. This is part of your body. And every time you engage a part of your body, it doesn't just work on its own in isolation. It's connected to the rest of you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it says, Now if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. Paul thinks he's funny here, saying that the hand and the feet have a conversation with one another. Uh, But he's making a really good point. It doesn't make sense for body parts to be rebellious. However, have you ever had a body part go rebellious on you? Have you ever felt like your stomach is being rebellious to the rest of your body. If you ever had a stomach ache, or if you have a really serious headache, or if your foot is hurting, it feels like the rebelling against the rest of your body. But as we know, each part of our body needs to be connected. That's the lifeline. You got to stay connected to the other parts. Now, it takes some work to think about the church in this way. Because especially in the modern Western culture, where we think, everything is very individualized, we can start acting in the church like independent rogue spiritual agents that are not connected to the rest of the body of Christ. We can start deciding how we want to do things without the counsel of the body parts that are are around us, but that's not how the body functions, right? It's got to work together. Uh, Who loves Neil Armstrong? Woohoo, Neil Armstrong. I forgive you. I came out of left field with that. He was like kind of the first guy on the moon. So hopefully pe- people know that. Okay. It's kind of a big deal. Some people think it's faked, but you know, still controversial. Anyway, 
astronauts, love astronauts. Okay, we all love Neil Armstrong. When you think about someone going to the moon for the first time, you think, Neil Armstrong, what a hero, what an amazing guy, all the astronauts, NASA. They say that it took 400,000 NASA employees to get Neil Armstrong on the moon. And so I got a chance to meet Neil Armstrong, actually, years ago. Arlene and I got a chance to meet him uh, before he passed. An amazing guy saying amazing things about his experience on the moon. I don't know how it happened. We were in a room alone with Neil Armstrong. So we just made a beeline over there and started having a conversation. But he'll be the first to admit, in humility, it took everybody doing their jobs in order for this to happen. And that's the church. Now, I get it. Maybe it doesn't feel like you're as valuable to the church body as it may seem like other people are. All right? Okay, I hear, I hear some murmuring. I feel like we hit a pulse here. Okay, sometimes we can feel in the church that we are neglected or unused or unappreciated or without purpose. Let me say three things to that real quick. Number one, I'm sorry. I am very sorry if you feel like that. No one should feel that way, and we will do better. Please Let's, let's work together on that. Number two, it isn't true that you're not needed. It isn't true in God's eyes that you're not integral to the community of faith. So factually, God believes you're worth it and you are unique and bring unique value to this community. Number three, let's just talk. If you're feeling like this, let's have a conversation. Talk to the people around you. Let's fix this. We can't fix what we don't talk about, right? And so we're starting right off the bat in this message, dealing with the reality that we are not just individuals. We are connected to a community. You're in this room for a reason. If it's, if it's your first time in this room, welcome to a family discussion, all right? If it's your second time, welcome to your second family discussion, all right? We try to be as inclusive as possible because if you're here, you're part of the community whether you like it or not. Some people are going to run out right now. Okay, it's all right. Romans chapter 12, let me give you another one. For as in one body, we have many members, melos, and not all the melos have the same function. So we who are many are one soma, one body in Christ, and individually, we are members, one of another. All right, do we have any football fans in the room? Okay, for the seven of you, we are, for, for those that didn't raise their hand, we're in what's called Super Bowl season right now. Uh, it's like a, has nothing to do with bowls per se, um, but it has to do with football. And they play a big game that is a culmination of a lot of games that have been played over a lot of period of time between many different teams all around the nation. So um, if you could care less about football, just bear with me. Uh, it lends to a good analogy. But two games were decided by last second thrillers yesterday. And, you know, what's cool about team sports, I think, is that at some point, everyone who's on the team is going to get their day in the sun, all right? It might take a little longer for certain positions, but they will get it eventually. Now, typically when you think of football, you think of not the people on the screen. You think of the quarterback, you think of the running back, you think of wide receiver, think of the coaches, Think of the linebacker, think of the defensive line and the offensive line, the big guys. You think of the safeties and the corners. You start going through all the different positions. And the special teams, eh, not so special, but hey, they're important to the team. And usually, the guy you think about last is the kicker. Usually, although it's changed over time, 
The um, kickers are usually small, sometimes the smallest on the team. Um, sometimes it looks like bring your kid to work day with the kicker, you know, standing next to the offense or defensive line, like they're like down here. Um, usually they, they do weird things like wear different color shoes. Uh, sometimes they've kicked barefoot. I don't understand that, but you know, kickers. And um, every now and then, especially in the the older years, you could compare the helmets. The, you know, linebackers would have these cages, you know, all this protection because they're getting in the, you know, the battle all the time. And sometimes you'd see a kicker with just one bar going across their helmet. You know, like they're not seeing any action, right? They have, you know, really like clean uniforms most of the time, right? Like nothing's happened on them. Now, as a soccer player, I am partial to kickers. They're usually my favorite person to watch when I'm watching American football. That's what soccer players call it, because there's a whole nother football out there in the world. But we won't talk about that today. So with no time on the clock, the Cincinnati Bengals and the San Francisco 49ers were both victorious because of who? Their kickers. Yes, thank you very much. This is them in all their glory yesterday in like zero degree weather somewhere in Wisconsin with snow everywhere. Oh my gosh. Wisconsin. Any Wisconsin lovers in the room? I know they're online. Give it up. So, to Robbie Gould and Evan McPherson, I honor you and your golden feet for what you did yesterday. Your day came. It wasn't in the sun, but it came. Sorry to Packers and Titans fans for pouring salt in the wound. Anyway, here's the point. Everybody's important on the team. Everybody. And, you know, I'm kind of stretching it with kickers. They are actually really important. Sometimes the leading scorers on their team. But everybody is important in the church. We are not made to be independent. We're made to be interdependent. We need one another. And, you know, we talk a lot about diversity. I think we talk a good game. But do we live diversely? What do I mean by that? You know, it makes no sense for everyone to have the same gifts, does it? If we were all the same, if we all looked the same and had, we were all, let's say we were all preachers, I would not come to this church. All right, let's say we were all preachers, right? We would all run. But would it make sense that we didn't have all the gifts that God has provided? No. You know, a lot of churches fell apart these last couple of years because the challenges, not only of COVID, but of racial injustice, it started to expose the fault lines and a lot of congregations, and unfortunately, a lot of ministries didn't make it through that. By God's grace, we're still here, amen? But we were not unscathed, and we're still not. We have a rough road that we have traveled and many miles to go as we talk about racial equality in the church. But we're a church made up of very different body parts, and it's important that we glory in that. It's important that we recognize that it's not a weakness that we're different, but that it's a strength. Some people say, oh, you need to be in a church where everybody looks like you. Because that means everyone will understand you and where you come from and your culture, and therefore, it's easier for the church to be unified. And for those of us who've grown up in those kinds of churches, it can be easy to look back and think that that's a better way. But that's not the church we have in the Bible, is it? It just isn't. And that's certainly not the church we have here right now. We're a mixed church. Some people say it's mixed up. That's a different discussion. But we're mixed. And we love that. It's not the church we have in the Bible. Yeah, diversity comes with sacrifice. 
We're not always going to get each other, right? We're not always going to understand each other's culture and where we come from. But isn't that the beauty of empathy? Putting ourselves as much as we can in other people's shoes, trying to understand, and sometimes saying, I don't understand, but I want to. You know, I don't think Peter, one of Jesus' apostles, the brash fisherman, I don't think he got Judas, all right, the whiny money grubber. I don't think Simon the zealot got Matthew the text collector. We talked about that before. They come from very different backgrounds. But we don't sit around criticizing Jesus for choosing the wrong 12 apostles, do we? Oh, man, you made a big mistake. Choosing all those different kinds of people. What were you thinking? No, because there's power in difference. And the key is relationships, that we're part of something bigger than us individually. As spiritual beings, we get the opportunity to renew ourselves, to recommit, and and here in the faith community, to become a new part of something in 2022. And in order to do that, to make this a little bit more practical, I want to highlight four spiritual types of relationships that we can have in the church. They are learners, partners, mentors, and sages. Now, there are others. This is not an exhaustive study on relationships in the Bible. There are over 30 New Testament commands about living in one another relationships. And I'm just going to talk about these four. Now, one note before we jump in. These categories are very fluid. Some of you look up here and you go, well, I'm all of those. Yep, absolutely. Just like I am a son, I am a father, I am a brother, and I am a husband. However, each of those roles dictates different senses in the relationships that those manifest. Same thing here. As people of faith, we have different relationships that do different things in our lives. Also, these relationships evolve over time. Learners become partners who become mentors who become sages. It's a little bit uh, of sort of a prerequisite going on here graduating through mature stages of relationships. And what I want to do today is I want to use Paul as our example today uh, of these four different types of relationships. We've already been reading a lot of Paul in Romans and 1 Corinthians, so we'll continue here, and I've got some scriptures below each point as we work through briefly these different types of relationships. You guys with me? All right. Online, you with me? I hear you. Okay, amen. All right, learners. When we think of the Apostle Paul, for those of us who've been around church or the Bible for any length of time, we don't necessarily think of Paul as like a novice, beginner, learner type. We think of him as the great apostle who wrote half the New Testament, right? But he had to start somewhere. And in Acts chapter 9, Paul learns from Jesus himself, who appears to him on the road to Damascus. Then he learns from Ananias, who helps him go from spiritual blindness to spiritual sight. And then in Romans 16, we hear about two more, particularly Andronica, Andronicus and Hunia, who were apostles and converted before Paul. So he gives them respect and props, saying they were in the Lord before me and helped me out, taught me what I needed to know. Paul came in as a learner. Learners ask questions. Learners are curious. And even though learners come to each situation with already prior knowledge and things that they experience, they come in humble. The question is, are you a learner? Are you someone who enjoys learning spiritually? Are you spiritually curious? 
You know, I first started studying the Bible and learning really about how the Bible applied to my life as a young man in California. One of the things that I would do as I would sit down with the guys who were showing me the scriptures is I tried really hard to impress them with what I already knew about the Bible. I knew John 3.16, all right? I knew Revelation 3. I, knew, I had scriptures memorized from Sunday school when I grew up in church, right? And anytime I had an opportunity to use them, oh, believe me, I ran right to it. And they were not impressed. <laughs> Shockingly. You know, it, it's actually the opposite of what I should have been at that time. I should have been a learner, being curious and asking lots of questions, but instead, I was looking for opportunities to answer questions that I didn't know the answers to. It's the opposite of having a learner's spirit, and I need the help from them to see my insecurity and pride. Now, does this mean that only people who've recently come to Christ or renewed their faith are the only people who can be learners. Absolutely not. We know that to be, that's just false. And we talked about it already. Mature Christians who've been around for decades did not get to where they were at unless they were excellent learners. Because that's what a disciple is. A learner, a pupil, an apprentice, always learning from God. Always learning from his word. And that never stops. My challenge for us today is to renew our learner spirit here in the body of Christ to come in curious, to ask questions, to be humble, not to look for opportunities to prove how spiritual or knowledgeable you are, but also that we challenge ourselves not to be passive receivers of information, but active participants in the community of faith. Does that make sense what I'm saying? That we're active in our learning. Sometimes we think of learning as sitting back and taking. No, no. Active learning means that we're asking and participating and engaging in the content that we're trying to learn. Amen? You know, I, I think some of us in COVID have lost the art of taking notes. Man, I, I remember I used to have my journal, and then I eventually graduated to my Palm Pilot. Remember those? All right? I got made fun of for that. Oh, you write on your palm. And I was like, yeah, well, I got a machine, and you don't. Anyway, and then like, phones started to do everything. And, and for those who are younger, like, wow, you're old, John. I see the gray in your beard. Yes, it's true. I'm older. But it was amazing. It was an innovation, right? Steve Jobs, Apple, you could do everything. And so we would take notes and open our Bibles. And sometimes preachers would look out at the beginning and see everyone on their phones and think they were like playing Angry Birds and like, what are you doing? I've lost the church. No, they're looking at the Bible on their phone. And we're paying we're pay past all of that now. But the point is, Sometimes, especially in reception culture, in COVID culture, we just sit back, fold our arms, and let the preacher entertain me, right? Right? Oh, I, and we watch the shows, and we listen to the podcasts, and sometimes it's spiritual engagement, but we can become very passive, where we're letting it tell us, and we're not doing the work like it says the Bereans did. So what does a healthy body of Christ look like? It's having conversations after spiritual lessons, after a personal devotional time when you read something in your Bible or you had a question about something you heard or you're reading a book about philosophy and you engage the community because you're a learner and you're like, what do you think about this? What are you doing? How are you being transformed by the word? That's what being a learner is. Number two, being a partner. In Acts 13, 2, in the NRSV, it says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. 
Barnabas and Saul, later called Paul, had a real partnership. All right, this point is about connecting with peers, with partners. They had a really real relationship. They had their ups and downs. Sometimes they would switch off taking the lead. They would encourage each other. They suffered together. Uh, but they also had fights with each other, where they had times that they were so sick of each other, they had to part ways completely and not be around each other. Ever had that with a roommate, maybe a spouse? You're like, I need some time, right? The Bible actually says that. Take some time, pray, and then come back together later. Okay, so they had a real relationship. And how did they get together? According to this passage, the Holy Spirit set them up. God set them up. This is a divinely inspired relationship. Question for us, who are our spiritual partners? Who are your spiritual peers? Who are your traveling companions on your spiritual journey? Who know your life, the good, the bad, and the ugly? Who are they? Imagine them in your mind. You know, some people come in from other Christian congregations into Big Apple Church, and uh, sometimes this can happen where people come into the fellowship and they're waiting for someone to assign them a spiritual partner, all right? Now listen, we're all of us happy to guide and suggest different people for people to connect with, but as we look back at Acts 13, we decided something, that we're not God. We decided we're not God, that we don't have the godly perspective to say, you and you, you are divinely inspired to be together, Somewhere along the way, we, we thought, you know what? We're really not God. Isn't that a good, a good thing to realize, you know? Every now and then, you just got to remind yourself, yeah, I'm not God. I can't really do things like that. <laughs> now, we believe that God has created a spiritual tribe for all of us right here in the fellowship. But there's only one person that's going to be able to unlock those connections. God creates them. You're the only one that can unlock them. Someone could tell you all day who to get with. Is that really going to help you have partners in faith? Probably not. No, definitely not. You have to decide. We can help. We can advise. But for those of us in, in Christ, especially for a longer period of time, we're, we've, we've adulted in the church. And it's time for us, if we haven't, to take ownership and to initiate. I know it's hard to meet new people, especially in the world we're living in right now. It would be so much easier for someone just to tell us, right? Plug and play. Just where to show up, where to check in, and then where to check out. But that's not a healthy church body, is it? You know, right now we're in a church a little bit under 300 members. And we're about a little less than half here and another half online. And, and then we welcome, of course, all of our friends and neighbors and visitors uh, who come to hang out with us. And, and we have small groups all over the city. We talk about them here. We talk about them a lot at our midweek services. We, we love that we meet in small groups. That's where we really can have discussions, right? Right now, it's not much of a discussion. I feel bad about that. I would love to have discussions later. Dialogues are so important for spiritual health. And mostly those small groups right now are meeting virtually, which, you know, we, we have to do, many of us. Uh, while we believe that your spiritual partnerships can come from anywhere, the small group is a great place to start. It's a great place to start. Set up so that you can connect. 
Now, for those who have been looking for a small group, thank you for your patience. Some people moved away and some groups got dismantled. We're working hard to bring them back together. Thank you for all of our small group leaders who volunteer their time to organize those groups, to facilitate those groups. You guys are heroes in the faith. We're so grateful. But for all of us, even if you're visiting here for a second, third time, again, welcome to Family Talk. We'd love for you to be a part of one of those small groups, to connect, to talk, to engage, to grow, to build partnerships. And then, mentors. Oh, this is a good one. Mentorship. You know, Paul was a mentor to many, especially Timothy. In 1 Corinthians 4, 17, it says, For this reason I sent you Timothy, who is my beloved and faithful child in the Lord. He adopted him as his own son. To remind you of my ways in Christ Jesus as I teach them everywhere in every church. Paul trained Timothy in the faith. He mentored him. Timothy was a mentee. Now, Paul wasn't mentoring Timothy out of arrogance, but sharing whatever he's picked up from others and passing that forward to his younger brother. Now, a lot of this training that you see in the Bible is more training by living than training by talking. Yes, I think there were a lot of discussions that happened, but it, a lot of times it was traveling together, living together, working together, and suffering together. That's what Timothy was trained up by. And so when I ask this question, who are your mentors? I want us to think less about those great conversations. That's part of it. But more about the conversations in tandem with who's really lived with you, known you, and helped you along the way. This is no longer about learners or peers. We're talking about mentors. Imagine those people in your mind. And, and even now, especially for those online on, in the chat, just let's shout each other out. Not out loud here in the, in the Time Center. But just for those online, maybe just write someone who's been a mentor in your life. Write it in the chat. Let's give them some love. And here, for us in person, I want you just to imagine that person. You know what? Take out your phones and send them a quick text. Thank you for being a mentor to me. Let's do that really quick. Whoever it is, a coach, a hero, a parent, an older brother, an older sister, anyone who's helped you along the way. Just shoot a quick text right now. If it's like in their time zone, like two in the morning, they probably have their phone off. Don't worry, send it anyway. I, you know, it's on silent. That's what vibrates for. All right, don't, don't write a novel. Just say, thank you for being a mentor in my life. He said, oh, I haven't talked to them in three years. It would be weird if I reached out. Well, just do it anyway. All right, but don't do it because I say it because that doesn't matter. All right, all right. So we're thinking about our mentors. We're thinking about people who are a few steps ahead of us in life. Helps us to go through what we're going through. Again, of course, with mentors, our individualism creeps up again. Why do I need to figure out how to go on a romantic date? I'm a grown man. I'm a grown woman. I know what to do. I know how to be married. I know how to manage my finances. I know how to raise kids. What do I need to talk to other people for? See, what's funny is we have no problem Googling those things, do we? We're, like, we don't, we don't know what's going on with something. Oh, yeah, how do, I, how do I put the kids down without losing my sanity? <laughs> Google, oh, that's how. We're quick. And listen, I, I'm first to admit, I love the Internet as a resource. I use it every day. I'm grateful for it. It's helped me in life in immeasurable ways. That's my qualifier. But Google, it's Google. 
It's crowdsourced. It's a ton of experts. And sometimes you can find experts that totally disagree with each other, right? I'm talking about spiritual mentorship. It's not just how do I, how do I ask for a promotion? Because that could be tricky, right? But it's gauging and crowdsourcing in the church the people that are ahead in life and have done that many times. Hey, you've raised kids in the church. Hey, you've dated in the church. You've managed your finances as a disciple of Jesus and have done a good job and have stewarded the resources and you're a very generous person. I want to glean from that. Would you mentor me? But for some reason, it's harder to just ask someone to mentor us than to Google it. I would call that two things, pride and laziness. Pride and laziness. And I would even say that this attitude silences the scriptures. So don't be part of the reason the body isn't healthy. Be humble and ask for mentorship. Also, we can't assume that just because we call someone a mentor in our lives, that they realize that they are a mentor in our lives. I remember being asked to be a groomsman in someone's wedding that I barely knew. I was like, whoa. It happened in Los Angeles. No one here. No one here. <laughs> Different story. Now, I know most of us hate formal things, but I think this is important with certain things in our lives to actually say something like, would you be willing to mentor me? Let's all say it together. Ready? One, two, three. Would you? Oh, that was tough, wasn't it? That was a little, whew, kind of the crust around the heart there takes humility, right? It's almost like admitting that I don't know everything about that particular subject. Now, on the other side, mentors, you better get ready. I know you're busy, but we need you to step into these roles. It doesn't have to be every other week or every week, definitely not every day. It doesn't have to be forever, but we need consistency. We need you to be available at some level maybe once a month, once every other month, once a quarter, at least for a season to help the rest of us to have real growth. Amen? And like we said before, most of us are mentors in some relationships, and at the same time, we're mentees in other relationships. That's great, just like Paul. That's normal and needed. All right, I went too long on that one, so let's do Sage real quick. Second Peter chapter 3, you guys still rolling with me? It says, bear in mind that the Lord's patience means salvation. Just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. This is Peter writing about Paul. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. I love this. Paul became a sage, a wise brother in the Lord, whose mission as he got older was to share his guidance and experiences with others. And in this passage, the apostle Peter is giving credibility to Paul the sage. He's saying he is a treasure. And listen to what he has to say. In the same way that Ananias or Hunia or Andronicus were sages to Paul, now Paul is going to pay that forward. And by the way, sages can be women, men, married, single. Prerequisites are based on spiritual gifts, not on life stage or gender. Amen? And this is different than being a mentor, which is a more consistent, like we just talked about, some ongoing relationship. A sage is someone you might get with one time, a couple times, right? Just gleaning at their feet what they have to share. 
Uh, we have a laundry list of treasured sages in our ministry. I, I think right off the bat, Irene, Gia, Ronnie, and so many others and who have given decades of their life to the Lord and are now passing that faith on to the next generation. And by the way, those three and others, they have dedicated, in addition to being sages and accessible to the ministry, they lead small groups too. Now, perhaps you're not a sage yet, but it's a relational role we should all aspire to and is necessary in the church body. So if you're one of those mature brothers or sisters in the fellowship, uh, please pray about being an available sage, finding those around you and saying, hey, I'm willing to support you if you need it. Because we're a multi-generational church. Guys, we go from nine weeks to 90 years. How cool is that, right? And we need the younger, the older, the middle. We're working all together to make this body healthy. All right, let's land this plane. There are these four types of relationships we can have, uh, you know, many, many others. But what a great conversation to have even after church today or over lunch. Like, hey, what'd you think? And, and none of this film critic stuff. Well, I thought he was a little bit funny and I, I didn't appreciate the football analogy. No, no, it, it's not entertainment. All right. <clears throat> How did God's word move you to action? That's the conversation we're trying to have. Amen? Okay. All right, let's end with Boba Fett. Okay. Yes. In this week's Boba Fett episode, which is an extension of the great universe of Star Wars, Boba is a traditional loner, a solo bounty hunter. But after a near-death experience, he's taken in by a desert tribe. But some bad things happen, and it leaves him alone again. But he made some decisions in that time that he doesn't want to go back to being alone, to being a loner, to be solo. He wants to stay connected. And he starts to make friends, and he devotes himself to some new relationships. And he said something in this last episode that was bone chilling to me and maybe three others. <laughs> you can only get so far without a tribe. So true in the church. You can only get so far spiritually when you're doing it on your own. Let Jesus and his church be your tribe. Renew your commitment as part of the body of Christ for 2022. And remember that you join not as a forgotten member, a devalued member, but as a partner to Jesus himself. It, it calls you holy partners in Hebrews chapter 3 for a heavenly calling. And that Jesus is that apostle and high priest of our confession. And in verse 14, it says, for we have become partners of Christ. If only we hold our first confidence firm to the end. Let's bow our heads in prayer as we prepare for the communion. God, we give this message to you, our thoughts and feelings to you. We ask that you would help us to live into being part of the body, to be learners, to be partners, to be mentors, to be sages to be all those things as we follow in the footsteps of the apostles and ultimately of your son, Jesus. Thank you for Jesus' example, being so relational, showing us the way. As we take the bread and the cup, we remember his death and his resurrection, which has given us 
the opportunity to be new in you. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.